This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Seven back. Uh, this is kind of fun news. Uh, Paul Ryan will run if he is unanimous, uh, unanimously elected king of Congress. <laughs> and uh, and That's if you kinda, do that, then he'll he'll be speaker. Yeah, yeah that is kind of what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will, I would give him a little bit of a break on this, just because. You know, like, he's basically saying, look, if you guys want me to do it, fine, but I'm not going to sit here and freaking go crazy trying to, you know, wrangle votes. I Mm -hmm. I think that's an okay position to have for Paul Ryan. Like, look, you want to do it? Fine. Then, you know, you can all endorse me and then I'll run. But I'm not going to sit here and go crazy. Please don't all endorse him. Just don't do it. Don't do it. I don't want Paul Ryan to run. It should tell you a little something. When Barack Obama wants him to be Speaker of the House. Barack Obama, I didn't hear that. When Harry Reid wants him to be Speaker of the House. Uh, no. I'm sorry, no. Yeah. I, I will no. say that um, someone who is a Paul Ryan supporter was uh, emailing me the um, uh, FreedomWorks scores for all the potential people who could run for Speaker of the House, and uh-huh. Paul Ryan's were actually the best. Or the, oh, wow. Yeah, which I mean, and, you know, Paul Ryan, look, we, in 2012, Paul Ryan was the best option uh, for vice president out of the ones that were being discussed with Mitt Romney. I mean, Paul, mm-hmm. Paul Ryan isn't the worst guy in the universe, but he is, he bends too much, he compromises too much. He's horrible he, on immigration. He does, yeah. Horrible. And, and, and he's one of those guys that the Democrats mm-hmm. would want to be in there because mm-hmm. he'll give enough He's constantly giving to their side, mm-hmm. um, and that's, of course, not what I'm looking for. Uh, I, no. You know, I, I, and I, people are like, wow, this is way through. how are they going to get anything done? Don't get anything done. Every time they get everything, anything done, it's they bad. screw things up. Yeah, everything they get done is, is awful. Yeah. 
It's uh, like uh, it's like it's like going to the BTK killer and going. You're just not getting. You're in gridlock. You <laughs> get anything done over there. This prison thing is keeping you down. Right. It's you like you need well, to get out and get some things done. Right. It's like wait a minute. Uh, and when he gets out, he murders people. We yeah. don't want him to get anything done. <laughs> it's a bad thing. What he does is stop people from breathing. That's not good. No. That's not good. Uh, all right. Uh, the, uh, last night. This drove me out of my mind because it, this shows you, uh, for Trump supporters, how juvenile these uh, Trump and his campaign people, his advisors, everybody around this guy, they can't handle a, a single difficult question. They can't answer any of his of the criticisms about Trump. And if you ask about a criticism, mm-hmm. you're you're automatically be, t- treating him. Uh, so unfairly, you're running for president, man. Uh, one of his fat advisors last night. Um, uh, one of his, one of his, what? one of his. You said one of his advisors. One of his advisors. But there was a, uh, a qualifying. One of his fat advisors. Oh, okay. Fat one advisors. Of his, one of the fat advisors. Okay. Well, yeah. One of his fat advisors was on uh, Anderson Cooper. <laughs> Look at this. This is something else. Why, why? If Trump is going to portray himself as this Wait, tool teller, someone who doesn't like it, he's not ready. Let's, let's, before we get to the fat visor, let's go to Jeffy, who has some issue here. Jeffy? I just looked up and saw myself on the screen when you were talking about fat advisors. I just want to go on record. I am not a Trump advisor. No, but you've, you've given advice before. It's bad advice. You could be a fat visor, just not fa- for Trump. Right, you are kind of a fat visor, just I, not for that. I guess that is the possibility. Yeah. Okay, I like that we All just right. say the word "fat" and Jeffy just gets the shot. Just goes to Jeffy. <laughs> so unfair! No, no, it's With funny. all the fatness in this building, oh, yeah, no, it's funny. It we're, is funny. We're all revolting on this show, and yet we just show Jeffy every time. Okay, here is the actual fat visor for Donald Trump on Anderson Cooper last night. If Trump is going to portray himself as this truth teller, someone who tells it like it is, shouldn't he be speaking the truth, or at least? You know, Holy admit when he's wow. been caught saying things that he didn't, you know, that he, or reversing himself on, based on something he said two weeks before? Well, I, I thought we were going to have a discussion on policy tonight, and I'm, I'm sorry this is where this is heading. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this is really policy. Not. I mean, he's, he's, he well, said he was against really going to Afghanistan, and now he's for it. I don't appreciate this at all. I don't, I, I <laughs> oh. didn't have any indication that are you this gonna is cry? where we're going to be going with this. I thought we were going to be talking about policy and where we are in the campaign and our polling and I thought there'd where be we're going to be ending up with this thing. But, if, you know, these are the issues that you want to bring up. That's fine. I'll let the other commentators comment on it. So you, but what about, I mean, you, you're involved in the wow. policy on Afghanistan. Right. I would assume you're involved in the policy on, on taking away the guns. Uh, we're is there... involved in the policy on Afghanistan because the president of the United States is still the president. That's the policy that we have. We're not involved in the policy in Syria because that's the policy that we have. We're not going to be able to do anything about any of these things until the 20th of January in 2017. And then we'll be able to make uh, positive movements on this because right now we can't do anything about what the president of the United States is doing. This is, it's the most embarrassing thing in the history of politics. Uh, this guy's it is. It's, it's unbelievable. It is. Guy, I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it last night. He actually speaks as incoherently as the candidate. Right. And his, so his point, he asked him, hey, your candidate had a policy in which he was on one side of Afghanistan. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. And now he's on the other side of Afghanistan. Can you explain that incongruency with with the actual policy. I, I don't know. 
He does look like Jabba. He does, doesn't he? He does have a Jabba look. But, I but mean, besides his look, he, it is he a makes speci- Jeffy look at Interaxis. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> uh, but uh, besides that, he is actually being asked a question about policy. Right. It's not like this is unfair, like, you know, what about your fight with Megyn Kelly? It's, it's, this is no. a question about his policy on a war. Yeah. And, yeah. and his answer is, well, we can't do anything until we're in office. You, you need to know before you're in office what your policy is. It's, it, it's mind-boggling. I don't know how this guy has a single percentage point support. It's, it's embarrassing. It, it's, it's embarrassing for the country. It's embarrassing, really, for the Republican Party. It is an embarrassment. I mean, you, if you don't say Donald Trump uh, actually set the moon in its orbit and created the sun and all of the planets... Then he spun all of us into existence. If you don't say that, they start crying. They don't, well, I'm sorry it's going this direction. I can't believe the way I'm being treated. Where's the pie? Why don't I have any pie right now? I was told there'd be cake and lots of it. (laughs) And there is none right now. I can't. I just can't. I, I can't take it. I can't take it anymore with Donald Trump and his fat advisors. You I have can't to do go, it. You have to, we have to get you on one of these shows as a Donald Trump advisor. <laughs> I, I can do it now. I could do it. I, that would be great. Because all you have to do is start crying the minute anybody says anything you don't like. You just start whining and crying. Uh, it's, it's pretty... It, it's, I mean, on the one hand, it was fun to watch for about 15 or 20 minutes. I'm so over it now, and I can't believe how uh, taken in so many Americans are, so many Republicans are, so many conservatives are. He's still strong. Oh, my gosh. I, I mean, know. he's strong and in some cases getting stronger. I know. He's strong and in a, in a, still a 12-person field. I mean, you know, there's so many quali- qualifications to this. He's not increasing. I mean, he's sitting right around 23, 24, 25%. But he's the worst his, candidate his maybe of all time. Drastically. Maybe of all time. Oh, yeah. Believe me. I mean, the, the, the only thing that's... That's tough to quantify with something like this is he's kind of the first celebrity candidate. I mean, you know, the guy is a massive celebrity before he started running. So Mm -hmm. the fact that he's taking this at some level seriously and, you know, all indications are he's building a campaign structure and doing all the things that a candidate would do now. Um, you know, it's just it's something that hasn't been seen. I mean, I would assume that that's the reason. And he talks about it like lasting. a celebrity, too, with his, his <laughs> comment about being on 60 Minutes and bringing them the biggest ratings they've had oh, in just... two years. And hey, they, they, start, they previewed it and it started out with a bad ball game in front. So, I mean, I brought all those people in. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievable. Well, he does the same thing about the debates. I mean, I love that he's like, I was res- they only had 5 million watching last time and they got 20 million and it was all me. It's like, well, then why did the Democrats put up 15 million? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> the Democrats had record ratings too. It's got nothing to. That's got nothing to do with you. <laughs> I can't uh, believe we're being treated right now. It's too. Yeah, no, Where's the lard? I was promised there'd be buckets. There of is lard. a trough of lard in the back. There, there. Okay, it's just after lead me to it. Roll me over. No, we were hoping you'd wait to eat the lard until after the interview. That was the that was the request we put in. I was told I could eat the lard before, during, or after. All right, uh, I love this story too. This is a great. 
great story from the Washington Free Beacon. Uh, who they, they do such great work there. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Washington Free Beacon. Uh, Hillary's State Department paid men $16,000, more than $16,000 a year, more than women. <laughs> how do you, how do you get out? In front of people and start screaming about inequality of pay for women when you yourself didn't practice equality in pay. It's, it's so funny, too, because it's, it's different than it's far, far easier to get this number right in the government because you're not running a business. You, you, know, you can just pander and pay mm -hmm. people more sure for could. no reason because you could. They, you could just do whatever you want. It's the government. It's not even your money. It's like, you know, when you're a business and you're trying to do this, it's, it's more difficult. Like, even a liberal running a business. Because, you know, the re, the, the tr because the truth is the argument is bullcrap. And they know it's bullcrap. And even when they have the opportunity to do whatever they want in government, they still can't get this right because it's not a real argument. It's just the fact, and we've gone over these things a million times. I won't bore you with them again. But there are choices made that, uh, that women are different than men. Women make different choices mm -hmm. than men. They make different choices with, with whether they have children. They have different choices of whether uh, they prioritize business over uh, um, home life. They have different uh, ideas of what industries they go into. You find out now that many of the women in, in certain industries, such as healthcare and, and things like that, uh, when you get everything the same as far as uh, education and experience, it's all it, women actually make more. This is a ridiculous standard. They have adopted it's not that hillary clinton is is because i think the temptation is to say well hillary clinton uh, is a liar she believes these things and she doesn't apply them in her life no the the, the she hillary clinton, the truth is hillary clinton is a liar she doesn't believe those those standards she doesn't believe that that's real she mm -hmm. knows that's fake she knows it's a bullcrap argument and she just makes it because it benefits her she in she's actually being consistent with paying her the the, uh, the um uh, the men more men more than than women because that's just reality it's just the way right you know it, it has nothing to do with disliking of female body parts it's nothing to do with that it has it just has everything to do with realities of the world so when she's coming out and telling you i can't believe those other people don't do it that's when she's lying and it's hard for people right. to get to that but it's the truth it is the truth uh it's some fascinating uh, statistics. The State Department also employed more men in higher ranks than women. Uh, according to the database, 152 more men listed as supervisors in 2009 than women. While the average annual gender pay gap was $16,416 in the State Department, that difference is a lot less when you look across the government as a whole. Although, um, in a Barack Obama administration, men still earn $7,900, almost $8,000 more than women. But in the State Department, it's double that. It's, in the State Department, it was double what the problem is government-wide. Mm. I mean, and here she is, you know, yelling and screaming about inequality and, and the gender gap. And, you know, one, one of the differences between her and Obama is that she's a woman and she's going to make sure women have a fair chance. It's not true, obviously. It's just not true. What's the, I mean, what's the reason for that? The State Department has been mm -hmm. a, 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 a department that has attracted men for a long time. So the people who are there have had longer experiences. They've been, they have 30 years of experience instead of eight. 
mm -hmm. right? They have. Right. Uh, they went to uh, specific uh, through training uh, with past presidents. They've mm -hmm. been working there for a long time. They have experience in multiple different places. It's not to say like if you go, I guarantee if you dive down into those numbers, what you'll find is people who started eight years ago. Uh, men and women make generally, with the same experience, make generally the same it's amount of money. It's going to be the same as in society. Just like in society, this is why it's a bullcrap argument. But you can't, you, you don't get both, Pat. You don't get to come out and say, right. well, it's unfair right. and I can't do it. Right. You have to, you get punished right. one way or the other. You're, either your initial argument is a lie, which it is, or you have to come up with a way to manipulate the market and tell people with 30 years of experience they make the same as someone with eight years of experience. Yeah, which she did not do. Which she did not did do. Did not do. I mean, it's just a bunch of lying, and it's really, it's but. tired. And the fact that the country goes for it is just yet another, this is, we could just call this entire segment a segment of embarrassments. Number one, Donald Trump is leading. Number two, the war on women somehow worked. Number three, Jeffy. Thank you. Thank you. Jeffy was actually number one. That was in reverse order. Yes, that was in reverse order yeah. of importance. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, 888 back 888-727-BECK. More Pat and Stu coming up Always in a good second. To be on a list. Yeah. Um, Always good to be on we a list. <laughs> we should also, since we're talking about Jeffy, let's talk a little bit about food. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's time to get prepared. Uh, things are changing. Um, yeah. we, have, uh, we talked about that story yesterday where they talked about the um, food uh, chain kind of being disrupted mm -hmm. and that we are no longer a country that can handle something like that easily because we're very dependent on others to get our own food right and i know it's difficult sometimes to get prepared because if you're on a tight budget it's sometimes hard to just buy the groceries that you need for that particular time I mean, imagine Je again do we bring up jeffy? Th think of jeffy i mean you have to talk about it's, uh, it's, i wouldn't say it's a tight budget i mean it's millions of dollars a year he spends on food but it's not enough <laughs> <laughs> but that's why our friends at my patriot supply have put together this survival special that you just can't, you can't afford to pass up. You can get a four-week emergency food supply for $99 by calling 888-893-9140. 888-893-9140. You can't beat that price. You can't get a month's worth of food for $99 for a person, and you can get two of them, I guess up to two. If you call now, eight, uh, what is it, 888-893-9140 uh, is the number. 888-893-9140. Mm -hmm. It's the only place to get this deal from My Patriot Supply, four weeks of food, 99 bucks. Call now, My Patriot Supply. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. And then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Triple eight seven two seven Beck eight 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 seven two seven B E C K. I again, 
This this Paul Ryan thing drives me out of my mind. Why 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 do they insist on having all these people who will keep the status quo going? They you got to have first you had to have Denny Hastert, then you have to have uh, John Boehner. That you can't now that you're insisting on Paul Ryan. Why can't we get someone who will open up the process, who will make the House work the way it's supposed to, who will give uh, the majority that we now have in the House and the Senate a chance to actually do some good? Why wouldn't you do that? It's because there's too many progressives in the, in the Republican Party, and it, and it shows when Harry Reid throws his support, uh, again, behind uh, uh, Paul Ryan. A lot of people are emailing uh, me and Stu and putting on our Facebook page how great uh, Paul Ryan's voting record is. Yeah, I don't care. He's status quo. He's establishment. He is a guy who will keep the Boehner situation going, and it's killing us. I mean, you know, look, if I had a choice between uh, John Boehner uh, and uh, Paul Ryan, I think I would choose Paul Ryan. I However, that's not our choice. <clears throat> right. That's the great thing. It's not our choice. We have, and, uh, we have an entire field of people that could, could theoretically get this job. Now, I don't know, like, you know, is Daniel Webster better? I just don't know enough about Daniel Webster. A lot of people uh, like Boy, him. The Freedom he was, Caucus he is all behind air. him. Freedom, Freedom Caucus seems to like him. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. If, if, if the Freedom Caucus lines up behind Paul Ryan, that's kind of one of his, you know, kind of qualifiers to get in. You know, those, you know, look, the Freedom Caucus. Yeah, he demanded that all caucuses get behind him mm-hmm. in order for him to run. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine them doing that. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean, really, who's going to hold out? The only one that's going to hold out is the Freedom Caucus. I would think so. It's the yeah. only chance. I mean, so, right. and the Freedom Caucus is going to look at, there's a, ch- there's a chance that people look at it as, kind of, as I just said it. Look, we're not, you know. We're not going to get Justin Amash to be uh, the uh, speaker. So we have a choice between Paul Ryan or they're going to throw somebody else up there. And, we, you know, Paul Ryan might be better. And, I, you know, I understand that. I don't, you know, Paul Ryan isn't the worst guy in, in, the, in Washington. He's not. But, you know, he's, 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 he's folded too many times. He's made too many deals. Mm-hmm. He's, he's tried to compromise too much. And people will say, well, that's what we need is we need people to get Washington. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we that's don't. not what we need. We see somebody with principles that doesn't move right. when it feels like there's a lot of pressure to, to, to move. <clears throat> well, to give you an idea, <clears throat> they just were talking to uh, Obama about this. Um, I think it was last week. And they were saying, hey, who would you like to work with um, in, in, as Speaker of the House? Who would, who would be your choice? And he's like, well, I, I really like Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan has been really good to work with. Um, what does that tell you? Right. I mean, what does that tell you? Do you think, I mean, do you think Barack Obama and Harry Reid, who's also come out and said positive things about, about uh, Paul Ryan, do you think that is something that they're doing because they hope that things will get more conservative? Do you think it's, <laughs> do you think it's something that they're thinking, well, we can work with him, and when we work with him, we'll lose the battles, and it will move to the right? <laughs> That's not what they think. That's they think the opposite think. of that. Yeah. Which is we can work, we can work with this guy and give him a couple things here and there, and he'll give us big pieces, things that we want more. Yeah, they want to win the negotiations, not lose them. Which, and this is why I so vehemently oppose his speakership. We've had that all along. Yeah. That's what we have now. That's what we had last year. That's what we had the year before. That's what we've had. Well, <clears> I'm tired be, of it. To be fair, um, before the one, before the <clears throat> a few years, we did have not only someone who was kind of bending to the other side, but also apparently um, committing 
massive crimes. Uh, with Denny True. Hastert, who's yes. about to plead guilty, True. by the way, to uh, whatever the hell he was doing. So that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Uh, and again, I think a good a good one to make sure that we're pretty careful with who we select as mm-hmm. the Speaker of House. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, at least Paul Ryan's not doing that stuff. Uh, but uh, again, I don't need somebody who's going to sit here and fold. I, I don't. I don't desire it. I want someone that the other side is going to say, "Holy crap, we got to deal with that guy." Well, we have longed oh, no. for years. I mean, <clears throat> at least <clears throat> since two thousand, when we had a when we finally had another. Uh, what we thought was going to be conservative, take the White House. And then for a few years, they had we had the White House, we had the House of Representatives, we had the U.S. Senate, we meaning uh, conservatives, supposedly, but the Republican Party had majorities and all that. And they got, and, and I thought at the time, all right, now, now they're going to get a conservative agenda through. Now they're going to balance the budget. <clears throat> now they're going to secure the border. Now they're going to do all of these things that I've been uh, begging them to do all these years. And they didn't. They did nothing. They squandered every opportunity. And they've done it ever since. Every single time they, they gain the upper hand, they give it back. I, I don't yeah. understand. Do Democrats do that? Never. They never, they never hold on these things ever. Well, can you, can you even Harry Reid went for the nuclear option yeah. in the Senate. They never, ever are required to compromise. They never are nope. required to move. Nope. They are never required when they say, we will not sign this if you, uh, well, <clears throat> we will not sign any bill that cuts $1 of funding to Planned Parenthood. Right. That is, uh, 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 that's not them shutting down the government. No. And it was. It was Barack Obama who threatened to shut down the government. Mm-hmm. Who's being blamed for it? Republicans. It's just unbelievable. Right. Like, I mean, I, I love this because this is such a weird thing because the media is so successful in p- painting Republicans as the bad guys. But it's like if oh, you okay. have a, a, you have an organization, that a party that has been elected to run the House and the Senate, they produce a budget that cuts $12 from uh, from Planned Parenthood funding, but makes everything else go forward. The $12 they cut from Planned Parenthood goes to another women's health organization. They give that bill to the president, and he vetoes it. But it's the Republicans shutting the government down. They've Mm -hmm. given you a bill that keeps the government going. They've given you a bill that continues all funding for women's health organizations. They've just cut funding to the organization that is currently under criminal investigation. Uh, And if they're not, and they are in some states, and that's kind of a... A, a weird way to say that. But still, the bottom line is they've obviously done something that's pretty controversial. So during the time period in which we're trying to figure out what's going on behind that, it goes to another place that can also uh, provide mammograms that Planned Parenthood doesn't provide. And, mm-hmm. and somehow that's the Republicans shutting down the government when the president vetoes that. I mean, that's just that's just insane. That's just insane. And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, the media has done a good job at convincing people that two plus two equals five. And until they realize it's four, what are you going to do? And we need somebody with principles and we need somebody with a spine to stand up against all of that. You, yep. Some, uh, I somebody, don't think that's Paul Ryan. No, I don't think so. Either. I think he's proven it's not Paul Ryan. But Paul Ryan is a smart guy. He's a smart guy. Um, you know, he's, he's a good guy. He's. A, I think he's a good guy. He's just not the guy for this. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. I mean, yeah. like, you know, look... 
people have been posting some of the headlines that, you know, conservatives who were praising Paul Ryan in 2012 and now all of a sudden hate his guts. And look, you know, I don't I, hate his guts. I don't hate his guts. <clears throat> I think, and I think that's important to say. He's not mm -hmm. a bad guy. I don't agree with him fully on policy. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, you know, is he more conservative than, um, you know, Susan Collins and well, Olympia yeah. Snow yeah. and Lisa Murkowski sure. and, you know, John Boehner? Yeah, I mean, probably, probably. Yeah, I mean, he's not the worst choice in in history, and this damn is the hope. Man. And he's well, he's a damn handsome man. He's in very yeah. good shape. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is the hope of um, the establishment, which is Paul Ryan induces in people like us the idea of he's not the worst guy in the world. It's so, just more of the same. Yeah, it's it's more of the same. And you know, will people line up behind him? I think they they very well they might. might. Yeah, they but very well might. We'll continue to get our head kicked in. Yeah, I don't think it's going to help our situation, no, but, you know, uh, it's, it's not, not. A, it's better than Kevin McCarthy. And I think that's what's going to happen here is you're going to say, oh, well, he's better than that guy. Um, he's better than the other choice that we had. And again, it's a false choice. We yeah. don't have that, just those two choices. And f for the people, you, you know, I mean, it's like the conditions aren't the same as they were in 2012 when we were praising Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan was the best of the, uh, the options that Mitt Romney had. At the time. And that's why we were like, okay, yeah, Paul Ryan's pretty good for that. Take him. Mm -hmm. Mitt Romney himself was the best of the crappy options we had at the time. Mm -hmm. So did we wind up praising them both? Yeah, it's a different circumstance now. And I doubt that I would praise Mitt Romney under virtually any circumstance uh, now because he's, I mean, he turns on conservatives more than he turns on Barack Obama, I think. I, I, I don't understand it. I, I just, I don't get it. Anyway, 888-727-BECK. More Pat and Stuart coming up. Seven two seven Beck Pat and Stu. Uh, here's uh, because I know you're ill-informed as a, uh, a probable conservative. Oh jeez, you know, I and can't uh, stand those and people. so oh my oh, gosh, geez. my gosh. Uh, that's why, uh, in partnership with National Geographic, Bill Nye has put together five things that you need to know about climate change. Finally, right? finally, because no one ever talks about climate change. Right. So here it is. Mm. Five things to remember about climate change. Number one, the atmosphere is thin, barely 60 miles, 100 kilometers, to outer space. Number two, there's 7.3 billion people breathing and burning. Number three, all this heat energy in the atmosphere is changing things. It's not just getting warmer, it's changing. This warmth is making the ocean get bigger. That's number four. When the ocean rises just this much, this whole area will be underwater, and not just this area, that area. That's Miami. And the main, main thing, everybody, the number five main thing mm -hmm. number is five. the speed. It's the rate at which right. things are changing. Right. Are you concerned about climate change? Uh, no, not at all. Why not? Because I'm in Miami. Excuse me. Just a second. Climate change! 
Oh, yes, the world was once warmer. There was once more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere than there is today. Right, dude. And all this never happened this fast. And that's huh. what you got to get your heads around. Oh, my God. What? Oh, our heads are around it. Um, <laughs> I love how it's the, the Miami one has always been one of my favorite examples because, mm. you know, look at how Miami votes. Miami votes 80% Democrat. Mm. All these Democrats are flocking to this area that is supposedly going to be underwater, taking all their savings and dumping it into homes right on the beach <clears> when it's going to be underwater at any moment if they actually believe what they said they believed. It's just so, I mean, you, there, we actually, I think it was in um, An Inconvenient Book, there's a map of all the celebrity homes and how many of them are built right on the water in this area they say is going to be underwater. This is back in 2006 or seven, whenever that book came out. Uh, but, I mean, it is every celebrity that sits here and complains about climate change has a house in Miami on the beach. It's like, well, why? So, it, so they can be underwater at any moment because of the rate of change? I mean, they obviously don't actually believe this, and they know that if there was something like that that happened, they would adapt to it. That's what you do when you have situations that I think this Dingleberry change. actually believes it. This Dingleberry actually, Bill Nye, I believe he actually does believe it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, he, I will say that there is one thing I am completely sure about Bill Nye believing, which is that Bill Nye is brilliant. Oh, <laughs> he is completely sure of himself as the smartest man on the planet. Even though, as we've covered, not he's a science-ish guy. He is not a science guy. He's not a scientist. No. Uh, he, uh, you know, while he's not an idiot, um, as far as, uh, you know, he's, well, he is kind of an idiot, honestly. He uh, honestly he's a, is. He's definitely a douche. He's in the Douche Hall of Fame, isn't he? Yeah, I believe he is. Is Bill Nye no, in the Douche Hall of Fame? I don't think so. You've got to be oh, kidding me. That, that needs what? To be rectified. I, what? No, I don't he's think in so. there. Yeah, no, we put the he's it Did says on the plaque the science ish or the science esque guy. Yeah, I I think he's got to be. He's got to be in there. He's got to be in there. Figure it out, Jeffy. Do it. And we should also get the plaque and find out when the last induction was because it's, it's been, been a while. while. It's been a long time. Uh, you know, yesterday I was thinking, you know, maybe George W. Bush. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I want to see that vote. Uh, yeah, he uh, is I, in, I, Nye I is yeah, in okay. February. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so you've got you got Bill Nye, who's already safely in. But uh, yesterday, because all of us were so done with George W. Bush after what he said about uh, Ted, Ted Cruz, I thought, you know, maybe it's time. I mean. I didn't want to be hasty, so maybe we sleep on it for a few more nights, and then we come back maybe early next week and vote on it. Really? See if we still feel the same. Should we nominate George W. Bush for the Douche Hall of Fame? Because here he is wow. saying nothing about Barack Obama, nothing about Harry Reid, nothing about Nancy Pelosi, nothing about Bill Clinton, any of these people. Who does he, who does he uh, direct his fire at? Ted Cruz? I just don't like the guy. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't like it because he's, he's going to beat my brother's ass. <laughs> and look, there's, I know there's something to that, that he just wants Jeb to win. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, I, I, it's bizarre because they said that every other candidate, he had good things to say uh, about. And, but Ted Cruz, no. I mean, you know, obviously, I think it's partial. Partially, he sees Cruz as the biggest threat. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's also partially he probably doesn't like the guy because when you're a progressive and you want to com compromise all the time with the other side, you're not going to like Ted Cruz. Yeah. This is why yeah. I like Ted Cruz.
He's the guy. Look, <clears throat> Ted Cruz, all, all, all of the, you can complain about things about Ted Cruz, obviously. People aren't going to like every one of his policies. You might not like his delivery. You might not like his style, you know, whatever. But conservative talk show hosts have been hoping for a guy like this forever. Yeah. Now, look, we had Ben Carson on yeah. today who he does a lot of things that you could really like and get excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing wrong with, uh, uh, there's a lot of candidates. You know, Marco Rubio's good, Bobby Jindal's good, uh, you know, name them, Carly Fiorina, whoever you want. Um, but Ted Cruz is the guy who stands up every time and doesn't care about any, what anybody says and backs his principles and doesn't back down. Um, mm-hmm. Now, there, of course, there are exceptions to every rule, but he's as close as I've ever seen a candidate get to that that set of principles that talk radio hosts and talk radio audience yeah. constantly claim they want. Right. Um, you know, and, you know, is he doing well? He's doing okay. He's in the middle of the pack. He's, you know, he's an upper-tier guy. He, he, he's not he is. at 25% like Donald Trump. He's not at 22% like uh, Ben Carson. But he's well-positioned. But he's well-positioned, I so, think. You know, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a shot. And mm. at some point, you know, really for Cruz to win... And for, you know, at some point, one of these guys, either Ben Carson, who I hope it is not the case, or Donald Trump, who I hope it is the case, needs to go away, needs to fall away and, and, and not, have, not be 20, at 25% anymore. At some point, you assume that that's going to happen to somebody else. So we're going we're uh, to work on putting a W in the Douche Hall of Fame? Let's, try, let's, get, let's, try, let's take the weekend. Yeah, we'll think about it. Let's think a, about it. I don't want to do anything step. rash. That's a pretty but big step. My and guess Kyle, is he probably wouldn't be voted. And the architect, you know, Kyle Rove you know. came out. The Fox News dragged him out and said, you know, hey, uh, he, uh, Ted Cruz, uh, made a tax on W two. When so, was this? So in his book, you know, he had some stuff. He was critical of of Bush. Yeah, the Supreme really? Court. The Supreme Court picked yeah. John Roberts. Well, and, yeah, because it yeah. sucked. Yeah, policy though. Again, the policy. Not just, I don't. He didn't like say I don't guy. like George W. Bush. He said he made a bad choice there, and he did. Ah, man. How do you deny that? I mean, I, do, I don't know. If, if don't George know. Bush was a conservative, George W. Bush, and not a progressive, he'd be had, criticizing his own pick. He would pick. be criticizing that pick. He'd be saying, damn, so, I, I, I nailed it with Alito, but wow, yeah. did I screw up with, uh, with Rob. I mean, I thought, everybody thought he was going to be good. He's not. Uh, so I, I couldn't have foreseen I, yeah, look, that. I really I mean, thought, yeah, yeah, look, but, I got to be honest with you. I, I looked hard. I thought this guy was going to be a great uh, mm-hmm. candidate. And, you know, it didn't work out working that way. You know, I, I hate to say that, you know, because it never happens to liberals. Never do liberals donate, you know, nominate someone who's they think is mega liberal and they turn out to be Clarence Thomas. It never occurs. <laughs> Yet, with, and you laugh. It has occurred over and over. Now, Roberts over is not uh, over the liberal equivalent of Clarence. She's, you know, he's not uh, Ginsburg. No, but but. Uh, um, I always get Breyer confused. But, uh not Breyer. Ugh, who's that guy? I always get the guy confused. He left. He's in New Hampshire now. They wanted to put eminent domain oh, in his house. Uh, uh, Souter. Souter. Souter is a perfect example of that. Souter became one of the most liberal justices of right. the entire sure court. And he was nominated by George H.W. Bush. Yeah. Um, we miss that badly. We go out there and say, you know, we are the, we are, uh, you know, Jeffy goes to a bar. He picks up a girl. He gets her home. It ain't a girl. That is us mm-hmm. when it comes to the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, late at night, things surprise you. And look over and, the uh, over the years, we've been <laughs> we've been Jeffy gets her gets her gets her home, and it's not a her, and we're like, oh well, right? We're like, ah, well, we need to nominate another one that we don't really know for sure is a conservative. You know, how about next time you make sure? You know, maybe you make sure a little bit. I don't know how exactly you do that, but you know, look when we've tried. 
like Robert Bork is a good example. The people say, well, you can't have a Robert Bork situation. Oh, well, you can't have a Robert Bork situation. You know what? Why can't you have a Robert Bork situation? You come out and you nominate the most freaking conservative guy you could find. Mm -hmm. And then uh, when, if he loses and they somehow defeat him, you nominate another freaking conservative. That's the most conservative person you can <laughs> that's find. That's what they do. That's what you do. That's what they just do. keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And eventually one of these mm -hmm. guys will get through. Right. Um, and you know what happens when Robert Bork, when something comes out and he looks too conservative on an issue? You don't abandon him. You continue to defend him and mm -hmm. you fight hard for him. Clarence Thomas was attacked for sexual harassment, which is a bunch of nonsense, right. and everybody knew it at the time. And they stuck by him, and now you have the most conservative justice in the court who's been there for a zillion years and has done a great job the whole time. Sure has. And they hate him. And they hate his oh my guts. They hate Keep doing him. that sort of thing. Triple eight seven two seven back. More patents too coming up. And Alito, you could say, has been yeah, he's been great. He's been pretty good. He's been great. Uh, but still, I you know, I don't understand this. It's like we always constantly have to apologize for our values. They never do it ever. I you know, it's the freedom of being in talk radio, maybe. But I'm there. there's no reason for us to do that. Stand by them. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. It's Pat and Stu. Whenever I want to know about the Second Amendment, uh, I usually turn. Well, almost in every case, I turn to a gender studies professor to find <laughs> out the latest information on uh, gun rights. And fortunately, there's some really good stuff from a, uh, a gender studies professor right now oh, good. about what Barack Obama should be doing with firearms. In an op-ed for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle titled Obama's Legacy on Guns Should Be to Ban Them, Barbara Lissavoy, Director of Women and Gender Studies at the College of Brockport, wrote, I voted for Barack Obama twice. <laughs> if I had never seen this person, this you is exactly say. how I would picture her. Yes. <laughs> I mean, literally every detail I would have predicted if you would have given me a sketchbook to come up with a person that wrote this op-ed, uh -huh. I would have drawn this person exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is that thing on her? Uh, I think it's, is it a it's, flower? It's uh, it's rather it's it's very 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 lovely. Uh, I voted for Barack Obama twice during his 2008 presidential campaign. My two daughters, partner, and I ate every meal in our house on Obama placemats. Aww. We bought these at our local supermarket, plastic coated. Plate-sized plastic? Oh, my God. Uh, oil. That doesn't seem uh, That's made from oil. environmentally correct. Um, we bought these at our local supermarket, plastic-coated, plate-sized paper rectangles with an image of his face framed by colors of the flag. While politically minded, I am not overly patriotic. Whoa! Whoa. Shocker. Whoa! Wow. You didn't have to tell us that, Pumpkin. So this mealtime ritual of America, American allegiance was odd for me. Still, we looked at the image of his face every day, and we believed that he really could be uh, the change in America. Can our country ever be free from senseless gun crime? Uh, no. Uh, no. No country's no, can't. ever been Sweetheart. free. Since the no. Well, they, we could go back. We could do it back to the future. It is back to the future day. We could go back to the past and Before guns. Uh, just make it so that there's no guns in existence yeah and and it's possible and if you were completely if there were no guns like in uh, i don't know 1210 mm -hmm. in the year 1210 
there was no gun violence. And I think you'd like that society. I mean, you know, are they like uh, tolerant of uh, of other people? No, not no. really. Is, that, is the murder rate much higher than it is yes. tonight? Oh, yeah, it's much, much, much worse. And people die all the time at like 30 years old. But go back there. I think you'll like it. It's great. <laughs> it's a great time. It's a great time period back in the 12th century or 13th century. So she believes firearm possession should be banned in America by Barack Obama to establish gun control laws in America that will reduce high levels of male violence and usher in a culture of peace and civility. Oh, jeez. He can, he can change the country. He can do it today. I believe in him. No, he can't. There's a little something in his way called the Constitution. And because you're not patriotic, overly patriotic, <laughs> perhaps you don't know about that little impediment to Barack Obama doing what he'd, I, I'm sure, like to do. Yeah, is there a, because we only have excerpts from this uh, op-ed here in front of us. Is there, a, does she make a justification as how you'd get around the Second Amendment? I, I mean, like, I, he's saying, she has to have thought of it, right? Like, there has think. to be like, well, actually, uh, <laughs> uh, what you do is you say, uh, you know, there's got to be some way she's saying, uh, you know, to get around the, no? <laughs> I don't even. see it. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't, like you said, we don't have the full text in front of us. Well, so the problem, we'll the, problem that up. the problem here is cultural, Pat. Um, you yeah, know, uh, it is. People just like their guns too much, and the reason for that is obviously, say it with me: uh, twenty-one, 21 gun, salutes gun salutes at, at high schools. High schools uh, that promote you because it promotes gun violence. Right. right, that's what I'm saying. Right, people right. like, hey, we're honoring right. veterans. We're gonna have a 21 gun salute. Well, that promotes no. gun violence, and that's the issue in Don't this country. Don't. Um, a Bell Plain High School in Iowa will no longer honor veterans with a 21 gun salute at Veterans Day. Why? Because it mm, promotes gun gun violence. violence. Now they say it's uh, the uh, it's thanks to state gun laws. Um, they were already disappointed when the school announced the assembly would go in a different lo uh, dr location. This is what we always talk about with. Um, uh, zero tolerance type policies. You can't have mm -hmm. guns at school. Can't have a gun, a twenty-one gun salute. Well, that's just common sense. Obviously, that's not what, what the, even the the well-meaning policy was designed to do. Right. Uh, it's just ridiculous. It is. Um, all right, and uh, let's do uh, let's do this Amnesty International thing. This is kind of interesting. It's an ad. Um, and is it? I, I, listen to the voice here. You tell me who this is. Watch. A ghost haunts Ireland. So you can tell immediately. It's so good. A cruel ghost of the last century. Still bound to the land. Don't think about the policy. Think about how cool his voice is. It blindly brings suffering. Even death. To the women whose lives it touches. Feared by politicians... This is a ghost of paper and ink. A spirit that lives in a constitution written for a different time. It is the shadow of the country we'd hoped we'd left behind. Ireland doesn't have to be chained to its past. It's time to lay this ghost to rest. Repeal the eighth. What is the mm. eighth? The eighth is uh, the eighth amendment to their abortion is illegal. Oh, okay, all right. Yes, yeah, sure. You don't want 
No, that's awful. You want to be able to kill babies as often as you possibly can. Well, there's a ghost that doesn't allow you to kill kids. Yeah, now, usually, horrifying. strangely, <laughs> the ghosts in horror movies oh usually gosh, are the ones killing man. kids. But oh this gosh. ghost stops you from killing children. And it's a bad ghost. I mean, Liam Neeson is. Oh, I he mean, is he's got so an incredible voice. Horrible. I love him in Taken. Uh, he's, a, he's a great actor, but... Uh, God, he's just stupid. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to this stuff, God. I mean, and I mean stupid politically. It's just like that's that liberal sort of nonsensical view of the world. How can you believe that it's a... I can understand there being disagreement on it. You know, the safe, legal, and rare thing, you at least could sort of comprehend. Like, it's just no longer that. It's just like, ah, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, sure, safe. I mean, not for the baby, but safe, sure, generally. That would be great. Legal, absolutely. Rare, ah. I mean, why rare? What's so what's what's so great about it being rare? Let's make it more common. Let's make it more fun. Let's make it easier. What more do you want to bet they'll try that same tactic here with our constitution? Well, they Con- are, constitution mean, for, written for a different time. Yeah, they will say that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pat and Stu. Today is a uh, huge day um, in movie lore because Back to the Future presented uh, it. Uh, they went, when they went to the future, mm-hmm. they went to 2015. Mm-hmm. Not only did they go to 2015, they went to October 21st, 2015. Today. Which is today. Mm-hmm. Which so is they're today. here somewhere now. Yeah. We know that. Marty's know running that around factually. downtown. Um, Whatever Hill Valley, Hill Valley. Mm-hmm. Down in, so if you live in Hill Valley, look for him today because he's there. He's there. Um, it, it's it's kind of fun because the Cubs are actually, well, they're probably not going to win because they're down three zip. But yeah. it, it was predicted uh, in the newspaper, or you know, it was represented it was in on the, the screen. Paper, yeah, it, it, that that they won the World Series. Yeah, they, they, they'd be like, you know, Cubs win World Series um, uh, in a sweep. Um, now, they, they did say it was a, a, a nine-game series, which is not a nine-game World Series. Um, and it's, of course, the ALCS and the NLCS going on now. But they're, they're in the NLCS. And the crazy thing is they may get swept today. They may right. be swept uh, to show how bad it is to be a Cubs fan. Um, because I, you know, even as an Eagles fan and right now a Blue Jays fan, it's not so great either. Uh, but I don't wanna, there's been no Super Bowl since 1960, and that wasn't even a Super Bowl. Okay, for the Eagles. But to be a Cubs fan and to have, uh, since 1908, they haven't won the World Series. They've gone through all of these torturous things throughout history. And then the, the movie in 1985 predicts they're going to win the World Series. It all of a sudden looks like they're going to. They have the best team they've had in a long time. And now they may get swept on the day it was supposed to happen. <laughs> it is, it's the ultimate kick in the stomach for Cubs fans. Yeah, and I'll bet you some Cubs fans thought that the yeah. movie was yeah. actually going to play out. I mean, it is kind of amazing. We've talked about this a little bit before. The Cubs obviously haven't won the World Series since 1908. They had, you know, they've had their chances and they've had just just, just ultimately destructive experiences for their fans. Um, but then, at the time, there was no team in Florida 
that because it said it was going to be Cubs versus uh, Miami. Mm -hmm. There was no team in Florida. Then they put a team in Florida and they called it the Florida Marlins, not the Miami Marlins. Then they changed it just a couple of years ago to Miami. Now, they didn't make it. They were not good this year. But still, it's kind of amazing that the team, they predicted the team actually being in existence, <laughs> yeah. um, which it was, <laughs> although I think it was an alligator or something was their symbol. Um, point being here that uh, Back to the Future uh, predicted a lot of things, including 9-11. Thank you. Um, what? It was a documentary online that now is showing the truth, which I, we've been, so Jeffy and I, I think, locked down a long time ago which is that Back to the Future actually predicts 9-11. What time is it on the clock at the mall? Uh, 1-16, which if you look at it upside down and in reverse, 9-11. <laughs> now, yeah, it sounds like down Gary the Numbers Guy. It does sense. a little bit. However, this is a, now some would say this is just a fantastic <laughs> level of detail for a film, which is uh, when, when they go to the, the, the mall at the beginning of the movie, it's Twin Pines Mall. Um, when, they, when he goes back to the past, Marty goes back to the past, he freaks out and drives his car, and he drives it over a, a pine tree, destroying a small prime pine tree in the past. When they go back to 1985, it is now called Lone Pines Mall because Marty, of course, destroyed one of the two pines. It's a fantastic detail. I mean, mm -hmm. I always thought that was the most amazing thing that they took That's that cool. time and realized yeah. it. But that, you could say that, or you could say that it was a Twin Towers now there's only one yep. tower because the other tower was destroyed by someone driving something into it. Because the pines were the towers. The pines were the towers. The pines, pines were the were towers. The towers. Mm -hmm. And you see this in the future. They go through that as well. It's actually the great. I mean, I'm surprised this is out so like good. this, though, that we're, I mean, we haven't talked about it openly because we felt like it was just too much information for people to grasp. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been killed. But now it's out. Someone else has okay. finally put it out there. So we can, we, mm -hmm. we can come out with the truth that it is true. Back to the Future was really nothing to do with entertainment. It was just a way to warn people about the Muslim terrorists. Right. The Libyans? The Libyans who okay, come. They, they happen to be Saudis, so they didn't get the right country. But still. Oh, well, that's just. Still. Oh, just okay. a small they, they couldn't detail. just give it fully no, away. They couldn't. Because uh, so, yeah. then we could have avoided it. And they didn't want us to. No. But uh, they just wanted to predict it. And they did. So, um, kind of cool because you uh, actually have an interview about uh, about some of this. Yeah, there's a great documentary coming out. Um, it's about uh, Back to the Future and the backstory kind of behind it. What happened behind the scenes? This, it's it's an amazing story. And look, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of it. I've watched these movies about a thousand times each. Uh, it's you know, I, going back to when I was a kid. I mean, these are like my favorite movies. Um, when I was a kid, but uh, there's so much detail behind it, and we did an interview with uh, the guy who did the documentary on The Wonderful World of Steel. Watch. If I had to credit one person for molding my values and sense of humor, it'd have to be Michael J. Fox. It's actually a much longer story I'll tell you later. But sorry about that, Glenn. You're great and all. But uh, when I was young, I wanted to be just like the characters Michael J. Fox played on Family Ties and Back to the Future. He was, of course, my childhood hero. And the Back to the Future movies literally shaped my adolescence. Here to reveal some of the magic behind how the Back to the Future movies came to be is author of We Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy, Cassine Gaines. Welcome to the program, Cassine. 
Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. I, uh, I'm really excited about this because I'm a, I'm a junkie. I've watched every one of those movies like a thousand times. And I think uh, they're on pay television and HBO or something all the time. There's always one of them airing at 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Absolutely. I, I just turned on the TV the other day and I was watching some reality show that was on. And as soon as it ended, Back to the Future Part 3 came on and I said, oh, my God, I can't escape it. <laughs> it's everywhere. You, you never will. Uh, so let's go through some of this, because the big thing, the reason there's a lot of news about this, um, uh, obviously, your, your book is out. But uh, it's because of t- 2015 is the year, the year in the movie uh, that was they, where they went into the future. So we're here. It's Back to the Future Days coming up in October. Um, so. Uh, kind of go through, uh, let's go through some of just the history of this. Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox, um, he wasn't, was he the actual original choice for that role? I know Eric Stoltz started doing that. Can you kind of go through how that came to be? Sure. So when Back to the Future was written, uh, Michael J. Fox was always the first choice. However, he wasn't available because he was filming Family Ties. Actually, Family Ties debuted on this day in 1983, so this is the anniversary of that, too. Mm. And uh, Michael J. Fox wasn't available. The head of the studio really wanted Eric Stoltz because Eric Stoltz had just filmed Mask, the movie with Cher, and the head of the studio really enjoyed it. Now, if you've seen Mask, you know that the demands of that character are very different than the demands of Marty McFly, but <laughs> yes. the head of the studio didn't really get it. <laughs> and so um, he more or less forced Eric Stoltz upon them. Um, and Eric is a really great actor, but he isn't, um, he doesn't have the same level of comedic chops that Michael J. Fox has. I sort of liken it to if you cast Meryl Streep as Melissa McCarthy's part in Bridesmaids. You know, (laughs) it's not a question of of competency. It's a question of whether or not you have the right person for the right job. Um, That would be an interesting movie, though. I do want to see that movie uh, pretty badly. Me too. I I, I want to make that happen. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So, So what ends up happening in that case is Eric Stoltz films for about four weeks Um, he really has a very rough time. He tries very hard, but Robert Zemeckis, the director, just can't get the performance out of him that uh, he wants. And so they start to make moves to fire Eric Stoltz, and um, they make the decision to let him go. They get Michael J. Fox on board. At that point, Family Ties was nearing the end of its season, so he was going to be a little bit more available. And... um, they Eric continued to shoot for another two weeks. I mean, he he had no idea that behind the scenes he was uh, fixing to be replaced. Hmm. Now, one of the most famous things from Back to the Future, of course, the DeLorean. Uh, it was not, however, in the original screenplay, was it? No, actually, the DeLorean. Um, the movie was greenlit before the DeLorean was even in the script. Um, It was a really late-breaking decision. Originally, the time machine was a chamber, like a refrigerator, and Marty would go into it and um, would sort of get zapped into another time period. And, you know, when he left the chamber, he'd be somewhere else. Um, The problem that they had with that was the climax of the film was going to have the time machine um, involved in a nuclear reaction. So they had to drive to Nevada where they were doing these tests. And they just thought, what a boring climax to have this pickup truck driving this refrigerator across the desert. So uh, John DeLorean was in the news at the time, of course. We all remember his uh, troubles, his legal issues. And uh, Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis said, you know, 
that car looks futuristic, but is so 80s. And John DeLorean has such a sketchy reputation right now. Um, that would be like the kind of thing that Doc Brown would use. You know, Doc Brown's a dangerous <laughs> character. Um, and, you know, John DeLorean's a dangerous character, too. So that's where that idea came about. No, that's really cool. Um, so let's kind of go through, because I'm, I'm fascinated by some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that went on, and you really cover uh, throughout the book. One of the strangest things that I didn't realize this as a kid watching these movies, but Crispin Glover, who, who plays the dad, yes. uh, he, George McFly, is not actually in the second and third movie with any new material. They had to piece it together because he didn't sign on for those movies. Explain how that went because it's really, it's, it's fascinating. It actually was a precedent-setting thing for the film industry. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, Crispin Glover is a very odd character. You know, anyone who's met Crispin Glover for more than 15 seconds will tell you that. Um, and, you know, it, what was interesting to me in talking to people was um, how polarizing he was. All of the actors loved him and loved working with him. They thought that he was a genius. And all of the crew members thought that he was annoying and bizarre and unprofessional um, and whiny. And so when it came time to negotiate contracts for the sequels, um, Crispin... Uh, really felt like he had been mistreated on the set of the first film by Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale, and he wanted a lot of money. He wanted as much money as Michael J. Fox was getting. Um, the producers had a really rough time working with Crispin, and so they didn't want to pay him much of anything, frankly. They didn't want to give him too much of an increase over his salary. And so they um, agreed to disagree at the end of the day. What they what ended up happening was, um, because Back to the Future Part Two goes back into the first film, they revisit material from the first film in the second, they needed an actor who looked like Crispin Glover. Um, they didn't find anyone, but they found someone named Jeffrey Weissman, the character actor, um, who did a great uh, sort of impersonation or portrayal of Crispin as George McFly. They put that actor in Crispin's old age makeup from Back to the Future, the first one, um, and made him, made Jeffrey look like Crispin as George McFly. Um, and then they obviously used a couple um, seconds of footage, as you mentioned before. The problem was that Crispin ended up suing Universal for uh, essentially stealing his likeness. He, he argued that, you know, as an actor, you have, you know, your face is a part of your product. And if someone can just sort of steal your face, they are preventing you from being able to get work. Um, it never went to trial, Universal settled um, out of court, but Crispin ended up getting a substantial chunk of money for it, and now um, Crispin maintains that there's sort of a precedent set that you you can no longer do that. You can no longer um, make an actor look like another actor without that first actor's um, permission. Because, hmm, I mean, they really, they went that pretty far. Like, they did things to hide. I remember him hanging upside down, for example, in one scene in the future of one of the movies. I can't remember the second or third yeah, one. Yeah, it was the second Basically. one. Second one, all right. And, like, so, like, you don't, because of, you don't normally see a face upside down, it was, like, a way to hide the fact that it wasn't the same guy. Yeah. And that's kind of an amazing thing. Usually when you have a, a character where they change out the actor through sequels, it's a complete disaster. And they were actually able to sort of pull that off to the point that, at least me as a kid, I didn't even recognize that it happened. Yeah, me neither. And I, I'm sure that if it were any other actor who wasn't... Um, 
who didn't have such an axe to grind as Crispin did, you know, with these producers, um, maybe Universal, maybe we wouldn't even know today. You know, maybe Crispin wouldn't have made such a big deal out of it. But, um, you know, Crispin really um, was personally offended by it. And um, I'm sure his relationship with Bob and Bob uh helped his quest <laughs> yeah. to, to get justice. <laughs> All right, so um, Back to the Future Part 3. Um, they actually made some improvements kind of to the DeLorean in that film. Can you explain? Yes. Um, I don't know if anyone out there owns a DeLorean, but um, if so, you probably know it's very difficult to get it up to 88 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> it's a really, really bad car. Um, and so... <laughs> To take, you know, Back to the Future Part 3, which is a Western, it's all uh, shot up in Northern California, there was no way that they were ever going to get this car to function like a car in the desert. So they had to put a different engine in. They had to put the car sort of on a suspension system. And if you look at that film, you'll notice that the DeLorean sits about two or three or about two feet higher than it normally would because it was the only way that they could keep it powered. The other sort of funny thing is throughout all three films, um, they had an entire crew dedicated to just maintaining the car because things would fall off of it. It would, you know, (laughs) crap out on them. You know, there were all of these things that would happen to it. Um, it, The DeLorean is just a very, very bad vehicle. So it took a lot to, to keep it running. Yeah, actually, our own Glenn Beck here actually owned a DeLorean back in the 1980s and uh, sold it to another person who was his friend at the time, um, who he he told him, this is a terrible car and you're going to hate it. Uh, I will give you one week to change your mind and I will take it back and return your money. And in that week, he actually changed his mind and made Glenn take the crappy car back. So, and Glenn's a man of his word, so he took it back. <laughs> he actually did take it back, yeah. Um, so uh, at the end of the, uh, the third one, uh, they smashed the DeLorean. The DeLorean uh, dies in a uh, horrible train accident. Uh, what was the feeling around the set? I would assume, like, you've gone through this kind of emotional connection with this car, and it's brought you through these three movies. What, what, what was it like on the set as that happened? Well, it's very funny. I I asked um, everyone that was on set that day that question, and uh, everyone said it was bittersweet, and um, they really hated to see the car smashed, except for Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis, (laughs) who said they were so tired of that car (laughs) by by the time they got to that point in in the shooting process. um, They were not only happy to see it go, but they were also um, happy to sort of put Back to the Future behind them, or or so they thought. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and they're still answering questions today about it. Uh, You go into all of them. Uh, In We Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy, Cassine Gaines, it's a great book. And if you're like me and just, you know, every time the stupid movie is on HBO, you watch the whole thing again, you can't explain to your wife why you're watching it for the thousandth time, uh, then you need to get this book. Cassine, thanks so much for coming on the program. A pleasure. Thank you. It is Back to the Future, uh, Future Day. Mm-hmm. It's uh, 2015, October 21st, 2015. And so we thought we'd show you some of the props that uh, Glenn has purchased over the years from, from the movie. Uh, like I this. I don't think these are 
Glenn's actually, but still. Oh, they're not Glenn's? No. No. Oh, no, his name is not Brad, is it? No. It's Brad. To Brad, best wishes for the future, Bob Gale. Yeah. Uh, so Signed hoverboard? Uh, hoverboard. Uh, I, I forgot that it was pink like this. I, wouldn't, I, don't, I don't know how that's attached. I would be careful. <laughs> Sometimes the props can be delicate. Yeah. Um, you yeah. could not put your foot in this. And, no, it uh, would break right off. Yeah, it would break right off. Um, but you can see how high-tech this hoverboard is. Um, it's got the uh, special... Um, you know, magnetism there to keep it, mm-hmm. to, keep <laughs> it. to keep it airborne. Uh, it's just not turned on right now, and so it won't hover. But when you turn it on, boy, this, ba- oh, this baby flies. Don't, do, don't turn it on. I got no. a great sports almanac here, 1952-2000. Uh, it's interesting to look inside of, because this is an actual exact replica of, of the Gray's sports almanac they used in the movie. And you, you open it up, and there's a couple of pages that are custom for the movie. Like uh, it, it says, the football scores. If you remember in the movie, um, UCLA on a last-second field goal beat Washington, nineteen to seventeen. Um, and uh, th- there's a page here that is the actual. You kind of see right on this side. Like you'll see the font is different on both sides because this page mm-hmm. is the one for, like they actually inserted for the movie. I know it's kind of hard to see. And then this side though is just an actual sports almanac from the day. So if you look at it, it says. It has sports scores up until 1984 because mm. they just took it. So mm-hmm. they didn't actually just – it's not like just gibberish or sometimes they'll just put any book in there so it looks like there's writing. No, it's an actual sports almanac. It's just one from 1985. And then this is the uh, the receipt from the store called Blast from the Past, uh, which was it was a $29 almanac, uh, $3.19 uh, tax, and $32.19 total. <laughs> now, uh, also, the other prop we brought with us is uh, from the past. We welcome to the show Marty McFly. Thank you. Um, I'd like to reprise my role. Yeah. Um, now, Marty, now, now the, what they didn't really cover accurately in the movie is that when you go f- into the future, you gain a lot of weight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and that's and, why uh, the, uh, the, the life vest yeah. uh, on him is a little small. It's a little snug. A little, I'm, a little I'm snug, grown, the I'm vest. Grown, I'm grown into it. The life jacket that... Uh, uh, grown right into it. Yeah, okay. It looks, it looks stressed. It looks like a stressed garment, uh, is what I would say. Uh, <laughs> it looks like you need to take that off before it just... Before it rips. Um, oh, I just found out it doesn't belong to Glenn. I don't care anymore. Uh, okay. All right. Good. So, there you go. Uh, right. It's kind of cool. I mean, I, you know, as a big fan, I will say that... I don't know. Do you think uh, th- there's something to... Uh, they kind of did predict a lot of stuff. And, and one of yeah, the reasons did. that happened is they actually tried. Um, they actually, they wanted not to predict scientifically the accurate things that would happen. They wanted things that would be plausible but <coughs> funny and interesting. So I think they actually went to a futurist, didn't they? I think they did. Yeah. I think they had a consultant who was a futurist and, and you know, like a, uh, uh, what's his face from Google kind of guy, a Ray Kurzweil sort mm-hmm. of guy. And I, I, it might have even been Ray Kurzweil. Um, that they went to and said, what kind of things could we, you know, expect to see in 2015? And so they came up with a bunch of predictions like uh, home energy reactors. Mr. Fusion sort of works like an incredibly efficient composter. And while composting is a lot more prevalent now than it was 30 years ago, can't be used to power a car, much less one that can fly or travel through time. And we don't have uh, home energy reactors. So that one didn't work out. Although, they first of all have there, we've done stories on the show about how the nuclear reactors at home is something they actually think could be something in the future small nuclear reactors in each home right and tesla just mm-hmm. announced that battery uh situation where 
that battery thing from them might really revolutionize yeah. things. Yeah, basically it would be like where you could get solar energy or wind mm -hmm. energy, whatever kind of energy, um, or off the grid at times when it's least expensive and store it in your house and run your house off of these batteries during the day when uh, ex uh, electricity is more expensive. Mm -hmm. um, kind of an interesting, you know, it's, I don't know that they predicted it exactly, but I think it's something. What about the uh, sunglasses? Uh, he had the silver visor sunglasses. You kind of see him in the poster here. Um, he's, you know, Doc Brown is actually wearing them in the poster for Back to the Future 2. Uh, there's nothing like that. I mean, like, they, they do have a Google Glass situation kind of yeah. uh, later which on in the movie. Which is actually cooler than this, yeah. frankly. Yeah, actually does more. Uh, but these glasses are just sort of a fashion statement that did not necessarily come to fruition. Right. I mean, and, and I, I should just ask you, Jeffy, because you've said many times before, you are fashion. Well, clearly. Um, clearly I am. Yeah. I understood that when you said it. Yeah. Well, Coco Chanel said it a number of years ago. She, she really, I mean, it was my life. Really? Huh, okay. Uh, I don't remember that. That, you are, that I am fashion. Correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Uh, necktie te technology hasn't advanced. That was prediction number three, that there'd be some sort of necktie te technology. I don't, I don't remember that. What are they doing that with the, with the neckties? Did they... Did the neckties flash, or it was the was double necktie? Double necktie? Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember that. That did not happen. <laughs> uh, barcode license plates. Uh, you know, I, I, th it didn't they, happen. They say this one's totally inaccurate. I, I mean, disagree. There's I barcodes on license plates all over the country. Right. Like they, they're not. It's not just a barcode. Like it still has numbers, but there are barcodes on some of them. Yeah. And also. The idea, essentially, with the barcode is that they're being scanned all the time. Well, license plates, I mean, the police departments around the country are scanning license plates all the time. And I got news for you, all you people taking toll roads. Uh, yeah. You're getting scanned. That's a great point. <laughs> That's uh, true. You know, it's not necessarily through yeah. the license plate, but you're getting scanned. It's some of, sometimes it is through the license plate. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm a little bit more forgiving than the, uh, than the uh, Screen Crush article was. A couple of cool things that were dead on. Um... Uh, that that I really like the '80s nostalgia, hugely influential for us in popular culture. 100% uh, accurate, according to this article. Huge amount of 2015 uh, pop cul culture is uh, dedicated to rehashing stuff from the 1980s. Um, and then the uh, multi multi-channel flat screen TVs. Uh, that's an excellent prediction. I mean, they had, they had flat screen TVs. It's, I mean, that's dead on. McFly's enormous TV would not look out of place in a real 2015 home, and plenty of TVs now come with picture-in-picture, multi-channel functions, and, you know, 7,000 channels, and, you know, movies on demand, and th uh, things you couldn't have even possibly imagined in 1985. It's kind of, it really, in many, many ways, is better. I mean, you don't have the flying it cars, which would have been nice. Yeah. Flying car, that's been predicted since the 1950s, yeah, and forever. that's just not going to happen. It's just... I don't think it's ever going to We could be here till 3,000. It's not going to happen. Not like, not like you think it. No. When you say flying cars, not that when you think of everybody flying cars around, the Jetsons yeah. going up. No, that's never going to happen. I don't think that's yeah, going to happen. I don't think so either. Can you imagine how tough that would be to work out? Uh, that would be... Yeah, I mean, we talked I mean, about it on the show, the logistics of so that. So, again, I, I stand by the idea that it's possible when you get to the point of you're, you're self-driving. So there's, you're not, it's not right. going to be you're driving yeah. the car. It's just going to be everything just sort of controlled. You know what I think is more likely is... Uh, do you remember, was it, uh, I'm trying to think, was it Minority Report where they went up the sides of buildings and stuff? The self-driving cars went 
over buildings and down the other was side my, to report? take shortcuts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it was. And yeah, it was because he got out of it and he was hanging from the car, which was traveling down a building at the time. Um, you know, maybe maybe they'll do that someday. I don't know. I don't know. But the self-driving cars, uh, when that happens, that will revolutionize things. Because yeah. it's already starting well, look to. Look at uh, what the Will Smith, the iRobot, right? I mean, he was had mm. the self-driving cars, but he was able to switch it. That's what freaked. She was like, you're not driving it yourself at these speeds, are you? Right. <laughs> and I think it's Minority Report where they don't let him drive it himself. Okay, right. And that's what they'll do. That's yeah, what they'll you're not going to be able to. You're you won't be able, able to, to do that. Yeah, because yeah. it would be too dangerous. You can't have somebody out there driving themselves, and then everybody else in a self-driving car. No way. Uh, I don't think that would work. I don't think it would work. Uh, any other predictions that we haven't covered? That uh, yeah, I think we get to most of them. I think so too. Um, uh, actually, in the movie, they had payphones that were still yeah, that's kind of a prevalent. Fail. Because and they didn't really predict the so cell much. phone thing as much. Um, no. It is amazing how fast that's changed, too. Yeah, what it was is. It? What, sure when did is. the iPhone actually come out? It was like 2005 or something? Yeah, it was right around there. I mean, yeah. it's, ten, it's only been 10 years. That's, it just seems impossible. Yeah. It's gone so far. Because we so had fast. cell phones behind be, before that, but not smartphones. Right. And that really changed right. everything. Although we had cell I mean, there were... Car phones, remember car phones? Yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, yeah. And those existed in 1985, I think. Yeah, I think they oh, did. Oh, sure. They so did. I'm surprised yeah, yeah. they didn't they figure are... that that would be a little bit more yeah. prevalent. Yeah. Huh. Oh, well. All right. Uh, if, if the Cubs get swept today, that's when we know that the, 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 the well, we already know it predicted 9 11, which is sad. But uh, if they do this here, uh, <laughs> this is really good. Why are you laughing? Yeah. Are you la- No, I. It, oh, my. It accurately predicted. Okay. I love it. No question. Okay. Right. Right, if you just turn it upside down, it's all you have to do. Convert it. all you have to do. And imagine trees are building. Triple eight seven two seven back. It's Pat and Stu. Uh, Piers Morgan continues to prove what a dumbass he is. Mm. What a... <laughs> The dumbass communist he is. Uh, over and over and over on every single issue, this guy couldn't be more wrong. Mm. Could he? But other than that, he's, he's smart, Other than right? that, he's, he's terrific. Okay. Uh, he writes that The Force Awakens, sorry, but Star Wars has sucked for 40 overrated, overhyped, preposterous years. Now, you know who sucked for longer than that? You, Piers. You. Well, but this guy, look, to, give, to be fair to him, mm-hmm. he has taken a lot of time. He's watched all the movies. He's examined them. He's analyzed them. He has taken, you know, uh, probably probably watched them all dozens mm-hmm. of times to make sure that this opinion is fully well-informed when he brings it to the public. I mean, maybe he, either that or he, he does right here. I'm 50 years old and I've not watched a single one of the six Star Wars movies. Oh, my gosh. And yet he knows they suck. Hmm. Um, how is that possible? How would you know they're overrated or overhyped? How if you've never watched a single one of the movies? This is, this is like his opinion on guns. He makes these Jeez, grandiose man. statements with absolutely Jeez. no facts. That is just unbelievable. Uh, the trailer for Star Wars, The Force Awakens, which aired for the first time during ESPN's Monday Night Football show, lasted just two minutes and 23 seconds. Time that I will never now get back. Uh, at the start, a weird-headed creature appeared, and, and a voice asked, Who are you? 
To which my answer was, I'm Piers, and I'm already bemused. It got worse. I'm 50 years old, and I've not watched a single one of the six Star Wars movies. That's, I mean, how do you, how do you have this opinion when you haven't watched the movies? How do you do it? And, it, and how do you admit you haven't watched them when you're writing this article? I don't know how you do it and be serious about it. What a buffoon. What a buffoon. Why, why haven't we banished this guy? from? Why haven't we deported him? Why has he not been jailed or imprisoned? <laughs> you, why? You really wished for this multiple times. And, uh, <laughs> I don't know, is he even living you know. here now, though? I, I don't think he's living here. I don't know. I don't know. I, well, he's watching ESPN Monday Night Football. He's, he must be, right? Mm. Well. He must be. I mean. Can't we get him to get a scholarship like the Clock Kid and send him to Qatar? Oh, yeah, isn't that great? The Clock Kid and his family announced they're leaving America they're and moving the to Qatar. Good yeah. luck with that. Good. Good luck with that. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Never see you again. Bye. See you later. That's great. Uh, also, hashtag Team Jabba. Mm. Is that your hashtag, Jeffy? That's... <laughs> Once in a while, it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. I have used it. Okay. Uh, Gabriel Pacheco <laughs> argues that although Jabba isn't a hero, he's clearly a good guy trying to do the right thing for his community. <laughs> well, this sort of here's, here's that. Team Jabba all day. Jabba's oh, a patron of the arts. On Tatooine, he employs dozens of musicians, animal trainers, artisanal <laughs> craftspeople, and dancers. His palace is the equivalent to Andy Warhol's factory. He even supports the burlesque scene. If it wasn't for Jabba, all these creative types would be wiping down countertops at a cozy Oban pan or Panera bread. Jabba has an ethnically and culturally diverse group of friends who support his life decisions. Check out how worldly and cosmopolitan this scene is. Jabba's on a raw food diet. You can't get more local, farm-to-table sustainable than that. Yum. Jabba's an animal lover. You know that Rancor was probably a rescue. Look at how sad those guys are. Tell me that wasn't a loved creature. Hover yachts do not disturb the natural landscape. Jabba leaves a low-carbon footprint. How could a Sarlacc pit be anything other than a cherished planetary wonder? Jabba's a caretaker of a World Heritage Site. He's practically a conservationist, like Teddy Roosevelt. I, I think really pretty plainly there, and there's Jeffy, who is uh, Jeffy the Hut, as he's known as. Team yeah. Jabba. Here. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that uh, Jabba the Hut, obviously, from those descriptions, and I think accurate, uh, a big-time progressive. Yes. Yeah, oh I my mean, gosh. you know, it's wow. no problem imprisoning the good guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but in reality, he makes himself seem like he's helping the community and... And he's got a low carbon footprint that he can brag about. That's it's an interesting case. It's funny. I know this is on the same front of as the. Uh, uh, I love these like revisionist history things that are doing with movies now online. They're just so funny to me. There's did we do the one on on uh, on, uh, on the show where um, uh, from Karate Kid that Daniel Larusso is actually the bad guy. In no. The movie? Oh no. no, no, we didn't hear that. And that Johnny, show. who is the you know the bad guy from the Cobra, you know whatever, the the, the guy who's like attacking Johnny yeah. uh, David Daniel, Daniel Larusso, uh, is the actual good guy in the movie. Like he, it, it's like Daniel Larusso. And they they lay it out this extensive case where like, you know Johnny the the guy he's he's got a girlfriend and this guy's always hitting on his girlfriend. And and then he gets attacked and it, like oh, and then 
<laughs> and it's like you're like you know what I think he might be the good guy. I mean, occasionally he loses his head a little bit, but I mean, he's—I think he's the good guy. Mm. And there's this weird other older man who's with this younger kid, and they're doing all their weird stuff over there. This guy's just trying to defend his girlfriend, <laughs> and I like that. And just maybe we and we should maybe we should do we could bring that one at some point. But uh, I would also say maybe tomorrow, given that uh, we're doing the Back to the Future thing, we should play some of the uh, the proof. That Back to the Future did predict the uh, yes. 9/11 tragedy. I mean, if we, uh, it's out there now. It is out there. We can the now talk web. about yeah, it. Yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> it was on the dark web. <laughs> let's let's play some of that tomorrow. It's really All right. it's really interesting. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. good. Triple eight seven two seven B E C K. Also, we have uh, from from what wonderful world of stew. Oh. Um, because we, we were going to do a segment. Well, let's see. Do we have time to do the segment on uh, if Disney movies were uh, faithful to their source material? I think we have some, uh, do we have some photos of that? Um, yeah, it looks like uh, College Humor did a, did a list of them. Here, here they are. This is uh, Little Little Mermaid. Um, originally, it was Ariel's tongue, not her voice, that the sea witch took from her. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> wow. it would look like that, where he's, she's actually Or she tears out, the tongue, the tongue out, out of her mouth. not be such a lovely movie if that were no, the case. No, really wouldn't. Mm. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, in the story of Rapunzel, the prince falls from the tower into a bed of thorns, blinded and forced to wander the forest in agony for oh, years. No. <laughs> that was a jeez. We can't have that. No, that would be an interesting that. addition to Tangled. Uh, yes, yes, it would. Yes, it would. I love um, that stupid movie. From Mulan. Go ahead. Uh, in this sweet Tang romance version of the Mulan story, Mulan returns home from war only to find that her father has long since died and her mother remarried. She's also been selected to be a concubine against her will, which is a fate she avoids by killing herself. <laughs> the end. Oh, my gosh. Wow, that's a dark, uh, wow. dark ending to that. That's ugly. Cinderella, in an effort to have the prince marry one of her daughters, the evil stepmother forces them to cut off their toes so that the slipper might fit. Jeez. Wow, it's like saw. Nice. Okay. Hmm. Uh, also, from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the original story actually ends with the prince and princess inviting the evil queen to their wedding so she can be publicly tortured and killed by being forced into a pair of burning hot iron shoes and dancing until she dies. Nice. Holy crap. <laughs> we need to start doing that today. Those things were dark. You, you know, they, wow. Uh, uh, you can go back and you look at... The, what the world was like. This is kind of the commentary we were making before mm-hmm. with the guns, where like yeah. you go back to these these eras when these stories were written. It was not a pleasant place to be. Oh, Forget no. the fact that you don't have technology no. and stuff like that. People just used violence as an everyday thing that they did to prove points, and t- torture was so common, and all these things. We really were screwed up uh, at the times uh, in our history. Just thought I'd point that out. Uh, yes. Do we have another one, Aladdin? Um, yes, evil sorcerer in the original story of Aladdin gains favor with the royal family by murdering an old lady, stealing her clothes, and disguising himself as her. When Aladdin discovers the sorcerer's true identity, he stabs him in the heart. Nice. Okay. <laughs> Holy crap. Uh, yeah. The source material is much... That's a little dark. Much, much... A little dark. Much darker. We've been doing something like this on The Wonderful World of Stew, by the way. Pat, you kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier. Kind of mm-hmm. looking at it. We don't go to the source material, just the, the actual stories. And sometimes they're a little bit more twisted than people realize. Mm-hmm. So we did this. Uh, you'll actually notice Jeffy's children, um, I think, uh, highlighted for this particular sketch. Uh, oh, here is... Uh, this is A Wonderful World of Stew uh, and The Little Mermaid.
once upon a time, there lived a little mermaid named Ariel. And she's kind of going through these tough teenage years where she kind of feels lost and alone. She just doesn't feel like she was born in the right body. Even though she's a mermaid, she strongly identifies as a human being. She's obsessed with everything there is to do with human life and even is in love with a human man named Prince Eric. Because she's too afraid to tell her dad that she wants to become a human, she sneaks away to get an illegal species reassignment surgery. Can you kids say illegal? Illegal. Species. Species. Reassignment. Reassignment. Surgery. Surgery. Only then could she ever feel comfortable in her own skin. So Ariel goes to an evil sea witch to get the procedure done. But like the stupid mermaid she is, she doesn't even read the fine print. And in the contract, she realizes she loses her voice. But she doesn't care because she's got legs now. Newly human, Ariel meets up with Prince Eric, and of course he falls instantly in love with her, probably due to the fact that she can't speak anymore. He marries her almost immediately because what's more attractive than a girl who can keep her mouth shut? Am I right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, guys. Just a little side note here, by the way. Is no one else a little uncomfortable that Ariel is only 16 and Prince Eric isn't the least bit worried she's underage? Also, Prince Eric is in for quite a surprise on their honeymoon because who the hell knows what that hoo-ha reconstruction really looks like down there. I mean, that's just probably a disaster. And uh, so, a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of candy to be purchased, oh, a, lot of, a lot of candy to be uh, distributed, and uh, we thought we'd share with you for mental flaws uh, how nine famous candy bar brands got their names because uh, I know you've been curious about it. Uh, Milk Duds, for instance, in 1926, F. Hoffman and Company of Chicago set out to make perfectly round chocolate-covered caramels. The manufacturing equipment didn't quite cooperate, however, <laughs> and uh, what came out were oval-shaped candies. The worker pronounced them duds, but everyone agreed that they still tasted pretty good, so the company kept producing them under the playful name. Two years later, the Holloway Company bought off uh, Hoffman and bought milk duds and brought them to the masses. <laughs> That's actually go. awesome. I didn't That's know that. That's kind of cool. So they just screwed up circles. Yeah. Uh, Franklin Mars, the founder of the Mars Candy Company, needed a name for a new candy bar that would allow his wildly successful Milky Way, uh, that would follow the uh, wildly successful Milky Way bar. Turn to uh, the name of one of their horses, uh, the name of the horse, Snickers, as you see on the screen. Uh, company, uh, according to the company, it's the best-selling candy bar of, of all time. time. Snickers? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It is, well, that's amazing. It's amazing. I love peanuts kind of ruined it for me. I like Milky Way a lot better than... Oh, Milky Ways are good. Oh, Milky Way. I'm a fan of both. I can't get enough. Milky Ways are good. In but fact, all I'll of eat a Snickers bar if I need worth to. worth eating a lot of. Oh, yeah. Right now, there's a, uh, there's a little jack-o'-lantern uh, in the, the room where we uh, get our sexy makeup on, uh, and it's just filled with candy. And mm. uh, since it, it arrived, I've gained 45 pounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 45 pounds. It's only been like a week. The first day it showed up, 
I felt it was my duty to eat the candy to get rid of it for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I noticed. But then it just keeps getting refilled. I don't understand how it happens, but it's mm. glorious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Junior Mints, James Welch, Welch, founder of uh, James O. Welch Candy Company in Massachusetts, named the chocolate-covered mints after his favorite Broadway play, Junior Miss, based on a series of stories about meddlesome young girls living in New York. The play ran from 41 to 43. Uh, blah blah blah. Bizarre. These yeah. bad boys are really good though. Those are good. I like those. Junior Mints. I like them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan. I like I, them. I three Musketeers. Uh, it refers to the three different pieces of candy that used to be inside each package: chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla. When it was released in 1932, vanilla That's and strawberry flavoring were hard to come by. However, uh, so the Mars Company phased out those in flavor of chocolate. Over the past several years, mm. Three Musketeers has dabbled in flavor extensions, including mint, strawberry, and cherry. I don't think I've ever had cherry Three Musketeers. Yeah, I mean, it, mm. you're so used to the regular now that the others kind of, eh. I'm a big fan. We do this, obviously, on spoons all the time with the different flavor. Oreos, I like yeah. the brand extension thing. You know, make the red velvet Oreos for me. Make the, mm -hmm. we, you, Pat uh, and Jeffy did the uh, candy corn cupcakes and the pumpkin spice Twinkies. Yeah. I, I'm a huge bad. fan of that. Keep making yeah, them. Yeah. Turn those things out. I, get, yeah. I try 20 new things of those a day, and this is, again, um, why I gain weight. Uh, in 1927, Pez was a breath mint for smokers. Invented by Austrian Eduard Haas III. The name refers to Pfeffermins. Uh, which is German word for peppermint, and so it just shortened to Pez. There oh, it is. There you go. How about that? Um, all right, uh, let's Fabulous. do a couple of these uh, uh, scariest spelling mistakes on Halloween merchandise. Um, I haven't seen these yet, but uh, we got a minute. By the way, I don't know if anybody on. noticed. That was not nine. That was five. That was five. I did, I did notice that. <laughs> um, this is... Uh, <laughs> Uh, Perhaps you should not have prefaced that with, here's nine famous brands and how they got their name. All right, there You're you go. So five. what's the uh, scare? Uh, uh. These are the 13 scariest spelling mistakes on Halloween merchandise. So it's just screw-ups. Um, okay, so uh, T-R-C-I-K is not how you spell trick. It, there's not, it's not an actual scary mistake. It's just they're just saying. They're using the word scary for no reason. Here, uh, trick or treat. Okay. Trick or treat. Spooky, tricky, creary. <laughs> Oops. Uh, creppy. Have you ever had a creppy cake? Uh, yeah, yeah, cake. Uh, spoopy. Oops. Spoopy. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's my little spoopy. Spoory? Is that what? Or sp yeah. Or spoory? Yeah. Oh, it's mm -hmm. not, uh, With an R instead spooky. of a K? Um, do. Instead of boo? Bow. B O. Actually, Jeffy's. B.O. is pretty scary. I don't know why that's a mistake. Uh, we'll get back to that on the other side. Why was that even in there? Show uh, I don't know. I don't know.